It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to the latest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. He is Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow. We are here to set the stage for the 2022 season as we are breaking down all of the Giants' upcoming opponents. And the 2022 Giants schedule release is presented by United Airlines, the official airline of your New York Giants. The full schedule will be announced Thursday, May 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. In the meantime, it's time for us to get into all of the opponents, Paul, and we'll break it up. Let's start with the NFC East because they're going to be playing each of those opponents twice this season. We'll go in order of how they finished last season. We'll start with the defending NFC East champion, Dallas Cowboys, and there's continuity on defense, Paul. They're bringing back Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator, and most of their key playmakers. If anything, I would say most of the change is on the offensive side of the ball with respect to the offensive line and then, of course, trading Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns. Well, you know, they brought in Jalen Tolbert uh, out of South Alabama in the draft to try to enhance their wide receiving court. You mentioned that uh, they lost Amari Cooper in a, in a trade, but uh, they also lost Wilson as well. So they were down two receivers going in, and, and they tried to enhance that on day two of the draft by, by picking somebody up. Tyler Smith, of course, their first-round draft pick out of Tulsa, a guy who a lot of people think can be a tackle, but a lot of people also believe he's going to be better off at guard. Now, remember, this is a team that lost both Williams and Collins from that offensive front this past season. And then on the defensive side of the trenches, they lost Randy Gregory. They did bring in Dante Fowler, who was with Dan Quinn in Atlanta. So there's familiarity there. But as far as your point with respect to the offensive line, Terrence Steele will likely go into right tackle. He's somebody that got experience last season. But this is probably the first time in quite some time, Paul, that we're talking about multiple changes up front for a Dallas offense that has really set the stage in that area. Yeah, it, really what it comes down to is they started to get long in the tooth. I mean, Tyron Smith is their foundation left tackle and has been for a long time. He has been a terrific player. He has certainly battled some injuries in recent years. And at some point, he's just not going to be able to perform at the same high level that he has in the past. But I do think to some degree, the age factor has kind of caught up to this team, especially with the big guys up front. And we know the offensive line is critical in terms of what you could do with all of those great weapons that you have on offense. And specifically, Dallas has a lot of wide receivers. And then, of course, Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. All right, let's move to the Philadelphia Eagles. And the one element that always comes to mind, it seems, Paul, every time we talk about the Eagles is their defensive front and all of the guys that they can rotate. It's just amazing. The usual players are back in the mix in terms of Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, but they add Hassan Reddick in free agency. Then they draft Jordan Davis. And oh, by the way, I didn't even mention Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, and Milton Williams. It's truly amazing how this group, it seems, continues to grow every offseason. Well, that's why they can wait for third round pick the Kobe Dean to come back from his injury before the draft. I mean, a lot of folks were wondering, why is he dropping? Why is he dropping? Well, he wound up dropping because of that labrum and peck injury that he sustained coming out of college. And so they're not in a position where they need him to play week one of this season. So they wound up taking him in the third round. But for me, Lance, the problem that I see with Philadelphia that they have yet to address is their secondary. 
McLeod and Nelson both left via free agency. That's a lot of experience. That's a lot of production. And I don't know that they really got that situation solved yet. Well, and that's why it's so imperative for them to get after the quarterback, Paul, because if they can provide some pressure on the opposing QB, it could at least maybe alleviate and take some stress off of the secondary. Now, speaking of the offensive side of the ball, they made some changes in the receiving core because it seems Philadelphia's goal is let's surround Jalen Hurts, our young quarterback, with as much talent as possible. And their biggest splash was actually, Paul, during the draft, they acquired A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans. Right. That was a very important trade. Obviously, they knew he was available. They targeted him. They felt as though, obviously, no matter how many wide receivers were talented in this draft, we all thought you could go five rounds deep. They wanted to get the veteran. And we know that over the last six or seven years, the Eagles have been very should I use the word unlucky or should I just say misfired in terms of most of their receiving draft picks until Devontae Smith had a really good year for them in 2021? And that's why those are the two pieces that clearly they're going to lean on. And then remember, this is a team that did showcase, Paul, the number one rushing attack in the NFL, thanks to the likes of Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. It's just a matter of can that group stay healthy this year? Well, there's no doubt that injuries can wreck even the best laid plans. And if those guys can't stay on the field, it could be a problem. Don't forget also, they did get younger at center where they drafted Nebraska's Cam Jurgens, who may in fact give them some snaps this year. You never know how that's going to work out. And Philadelphia is certainly known for building its depth on the offensive line over the last few seasons, especially since Jason Kelsey is nearing the end of his career. Let's move to Washington as we look to wrap up the NFC East opponents and Carson Wentz is back in the division. He was acquired from the Indianapolis Colts. They also drafted Sam Howell out of North Carolina. So you're going to see a new signal caller in conjunction with some changes, Paul, on the offensive line because one of their staples is gone, and that's Brandon Sheriff, who's been a pro bowler for them. In a way, they kind of wound up making a deal because Sheriff goes to Jacksonville via free agency and Norwell comes in from Jacksonville during free agency. Now, I know it wasn't a trade per se, but that's kind of the result of the whole situation. And as far as their offensive weapons, they drafted Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. You still have McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas. So it's really it's not a matter of the lack of weapons, Paul. It's really the durability with respect to all of those players. Well, and they added Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama, a very strong, powerful runner who a lot of people liked in this draft. They were able to pick him up in the third round. This is a guy who could really add some uh, ball control uh, atmosphere to their offense. And speaking of injuries, they're welcoming back Chase Young, who missed the bulk of last season due to a torn ACL. Very similar to Philadelphia, Washington showcases a lot of defensive players up front. And just real quickly, as we wrap up the NFC East, Paul, the big theme here is all three of the Giants rivals are bringing back their coaching staffs and their schemes. So the Giants really are the new kids in town compared to the rest of the division. Well, there's no doubt, and that works both ways. As much as the Giants coaching staff won't know them, those opponents won't really recognize this Giants team, especially on offense. And that much I can promise you from what I've seen during the springtime. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. The land of the unknown, as they like to call it. Well, speaking of the unknown, let's get outside of the NFC East box. The Giants are going to be playing the NFC North this season. 
They will have the Packers in London. That's the one game we actually know the date of. It'll be October 9th. They're also going to visit the Vikings. They will host the Lions and the Bears. Let's start with the date of the opponent that they already know, Green Bay Packers, the defending NFC North champs. Aaron Rodgers is back after another offseason with some speculation, but his best friend, Devontae Adams, Paul, is no longer in the mix because they shipped him off to the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, but they did go out and get some receivers in Watson and Dubes in the draft. Now, it's going to take some time, obviously, for Rodgers to find chemistry and connection with them. And let's not kid ourselves. They're not going to step in right away and be as nearly as good as that, that all-pro receiver was. But they did make sure that they were able to get him some sufficient weapons who are going to be able to do some damage out of the box, I'm sure, especially Watson. You're talking about a guy 6'4", 6'5", and I understand that he came from a lower level of comp, but this guy has flat-out speed and can go get it with a very large catch radius. Big playmaker in school. And also remember, Amari Rogers they drafted last year, so he's continuing to develop. And they added the veteran Sammy Watkins plus tight end Robert Tunyon returning after missing most of the season due to an ACL. You could argue, Paul, perhaps Green Bay becomes even more dangerous now that Rodgers doesn't solely have to lean on Devontae Adams and may spread the wealth a little bit more. Yeah, that you could also say, quite frankly, that uh, they got a little bit better on defense, even though Zadarius Smith left via free agency. Devontae Wyatt, a very powerful defensive tackle out of Georgia and a real solid run stuffer, uh, is going to do some things for that defense, which could, in fact, help them offensively because they know that the defense might be just a little bit more stout and they won't need Rodgers to keep taking big chances down the field more of a balanced attack, and that was exactly. actually present last season. So I think that's a good point. Plus, it wasn't just Devontae Wyatt. They took his Georgia teammate, Quay Walker, too, in the first yes. round. So a lot of presence in terms of the Bulldogs for the Green Bay Packers defense. Now, you brought up Zadarius Smith. That's a perfect transition to the Minnesota Vikings because that's exactly where he ended up as we stay in the NFC North. Now, Minnesota has a new coach in Kevin O'Connell, comes over from the Rams as their offensive coordinator. So there's a team with new schemes across the board. We mentioned the addition of Zadarius Smith, but the offense, I think they're looking to gain a little bit more creativeness and stability because you have Justin Jefferson, you have Adam Thielen, you have Dalvin Cook. The weapons are there. I'm very interested, Paul, to see what Kevin O'Connell, who, remember, was with Kirk in Washington when they were together. Can he add a little bit more flavor and flair to an offense that really promoted from within under Mike Zimmer all these years. Well, they're going to have to get it from there, Lance, because they really didn't add anything offensively in terms of firepower through free agency or the draft. I mean, I think you could make a case that their most significant acquisitions during the offseason were seen the safety and Booth, the cornerback, who they picked up during that selection process with the draft. Other than that, it seemed as though they pretty much rolled everything back. And that's more of a reason why, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, you're hoping that the defense also makes strides because that unit fell off towards the latter part of Mike Zimmer's tenure, their former head coach. Let's move along in the NFC North. The Chicago Bears, also another team which is infusing a new scheme and a new coaching staff. Matt Eberflus comes over, the new head man. He was the Colts' defensive coordinator. But to me, I want to start on the offensive side of the ball, Paul, because that's where most of the question marks are. Justin Fields is now going to be their full-time starter. The question is, who's going to emerge in this receiving core, considering they don't necessarily have a prime weapon, you could argue? 
I'm not sure I understand exactly what Chicago did in the draft. I know they got Velas Jones out of Tennessee in the third round. He's a kick returner slash wide receiver. But look, now that Robinson's gone and went to the Rams via free agency, I don't know that anybody's going to really carry a healthy respect for their passing game when they go into Soldier Field. I'm, I'm quite puzzled because I don't think that they've done anything to help themselves in that regard. They added Byron Pringle from the Chiefs. They added Equinemius St. Brown from the Packers. Nice complimentary weapons, nothing against them, but not right, necessarily pull guys that put fear in yeah. the eyes of defensive coordinators. Well, uh, headache players, as I like to call them. I just don't see any here on the Bears. And look, I don't want to disparage what they did on defense because drafting Brisker, the safety out of Penn State, and Gordon, the corner out of Washington, are two terrific players in the secondary. So, yes, that's wonderful with those two second-round picks, but I don't think they did enough to help their offensive side of the ball. And let's not forget about Robert Quinn. The veteran is still in the mix who set the single season record for sacks for the Bears. So they're looking to build off of that, as well as the presence of veteran safety, Eddie Jackson. Let's finish up the NFC North with the Detroit Lions. Another team that's also, you can argue, going through a bit of transition. But Dan Campbell coming over now last season. So he's going to be entering year number two. Their philosophy, it seemed this offseason, Paul, was let's surround Jared Goff with as much talent as possible. Because they drafted Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama. They added DJ Chark in free agency. And you have Amon Ross St. Brown, who had a very nice rookie year. So I think a lot of people overlook this Lions offense. I wouldn't sleep on the weapons I just named, plus an offensive line that is solid, just unfortunately was banged up last year. Well, they're looking for some increased development as well as some better health. And that's why when they drafted Jamison Williams out of Alabama uh, in the first round with their second first round pick, they figured, well, this is that really quick, nifty, explosive speed guy that will add that part of the component to the overall offensive picture. I, I see what they did because they loaded up mostly on defense with the rest of their draft because they figured that most of the offense is probably there to work with. Well, and the defense was probably their biggest issue last season, so it's understandable. Plus, something tells me Dan Campbell's not complaining when Aiden Hutchinson falls to them with the number two <laughs> overall pick. So that's certainly a nice guy to put in the mix. Plus, he's not going to need much time to get used to his environment, considering he played not too far away at Michigan, and he certainly is a Michigan native. So that is the NFC North. The other division that the Giants are going to have to tackle this season is outside of the conference, and that brings us to the AFC South. Also, overall, a division in a lot of transition because either teams are developing young quarterbacks or they maybe made a change in terms of the scheme or the coaching staff. But let's start with really the staple of the division, and that is the Tennessee Titans, as they have been able to win the division each of the last two seasons. But we talked about this earlier. A.J. Brown no longer in the mix. He was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. No Julio Jones, who they made a big splash for the previous offseason. So Robert Woods comes over in a trade from the Rams. But outside of him and, of course, Derrick Henry, because they believe a lot in their rushing attack, who emerges as the complementary weapon? And is Woods going to stay healthy? That, to me, is the biggest question surrounding Ryan Tannehill and company. Woods coming off of that torn ACL, that's something you have to be concerned about. We know they drafted Burks and Phillips, the two wide receivers, uh, during the course of the three-day draft. 
Yeah, Burks is very, very quick and explosive. I understand that. But you're asking a lot from him. As you said, that they need to really get those supplemental players to produce as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Look, they also brought in Hooper the tight end as a free agent out of Cleveland. Now we know what he's done over his NFL career. He has been a key receiving target in spots. I don't necessarily know that you're going to, you're going to put up huge numbers with him, but he could be a safety blanket for Tannehill. Well, it helps, especially if you don't have multiple star receivers, nothing wrong with utilizing the tight end. And I think Vrabel knows that from his playing days in New England and Kansas city, two teams that leaned heavily on that position. Real quickly on the defensive side of the ball, and this is maybe similar to some of the other teams we were talking about, like the Bears, where maybe you have to lean a little bit more on that side. Paul, this unit made some tremendous strides. I want to give you a number. They had 19 sacks in 2020. That was bottom three in the NFL. They jumped all the way to 43 last year, which was a top 10 mark. And I think the arrival of Bud Dupree from the Steelers helped immensely and the emergence of Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons. Now, those are not new arrivals, but what I'm saying is you now have some continuity that you can build upon on that side of the ball. Well, let's not forget they also drafted cornerback Roger McCreary out of Auburn in the second round. And Lance, I think a lot of scouts around the league have told me he might be the best pure slot cover corner in this draft. Now imagine adding him to that mix where a quarterback who's going to be a little bit wary of that pass rush is usually going to look to his slot receiver to try to get that ball out quickly. McCreary's going to do a lot to prevent that from happening. Don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Speaking of stingy defenses, that brings us, Paul, to the Indianapolis Colts, who still have Frank Reich as the head man, but Gus Bradley is the new defensive coordinator because Matt Eberflus left to take the head coaching position with the Bears. And I understand there's a lot of buzz surrounding this team because of Matt Ryan, and we'll get to that in a second. But I actually, I want to start on the defensive side of the ball because even though the numbers were impressive last season, Paul, I think this is a very underrated unit. And they added Yannick Ngakwe in the pass rushing department. They acquired him from the Raiders, who, by the way, played for Gus Bradley with Las Vegas. So that's one thing to note. Stephon Gilmore, the veteran corner, and Rodney McLeod, who you referenced the Eagles loss. So all they did was they added more veteran-proven talent to a group that I thought was very strong already. Yeah, McLeod is the only one of the three where I kind of wonder how much tread is left on the tire. I don't think there's much doubt that Gilmore is still capable of putting up a fantastic season. And Nagakwe, this guy has been a pass rusher par excellence now for a number of years, and there's no reason to think that he won't be able to at least continue that for another year or two. Plus, he is next to DeForest Buckner. So yes. something tells me he's going to welcome <laughs> that. And we had debated previously, is he Batman or Robin, a term that I know you like to utilize, but I don't think he has to worry about that given the presence of some of the other talent. Now, right. as far as the offensive side of the ball, Paul goes, well, the offensive line has been strong. They did lose Mark Lewinsky, who comes over to the Giants, but Indy has showcased some depth, as we saw when they suffered some injuries last season. To me, the question is, similar to a number of other teams, who outside of Michael Pittman Jr. can emerge as a wide receiver and a threat for Matt Ryan to get comfortable within this offense? They'll have to look to second-round wide receiver Alec Pierce. 
Uh, I think tight end Jalen Woods, another guy who they drafted later on uh, during the selection process, is a guy who could be a key part of that passing game. But if it's not one of those two, you're right, Lance. I'm not sure who that other guy is unless they bring back T.Y. Hilton. And he's still out there, and I understand the door is open a crack to perhaps have that Colt come back into the fold. Well, Paris Campbell's another name, Paul, I would throw out. The problem is he has struggled to stay healthy. And if you can't rely on his durability, he still adds into the equation of a question mark. Let's move to the Houston Texans. They have elevated Lovey Smith, who was their defensive coordinator. He now takes over as the head man. Pep Hamilton is going to be his offensive coordinator. And the Texans last year, they signed a lot of one-year deals. And they followed a very similar trend, I would argue, this year. But they did beef up the secondary by drafting Derek Stingley Jr. and Jalen Petre. So those are two players to certainly watch out for. But to me, I think it all comes back to Davis Mills and the emergence of him who showed some flashes can he prove to be the quarterback under center for them? Well, let's put it this way. They're going to help him out because they got Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, same state as Houston, by the way, to help protect him. I think he's going to wind up playing guard for them. I don't think they're going to put him at tackle, but that will help Mills. And then, of course, Damian Pierce out of Florida, a late running back taken in the fourth round. I think we all know he has a lot of productivity in those legs, and I think that could help balance that attack out a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. And John Mechie, a wide receiver too. Alabama prospect. I know he was a round two pick, but a lot of people thought he would be a round two pick in any draft. He's got that much ability. Best thing you could do for a young quarterback is continue to add weapons, and it shouldn't be overlooked. Not only did they add Kenyon Green, but Houston does have Laramie Tunzel and Titus Howard as their bookends on the offensive mm -hmm. line. So with those two guys, perhaps Houston can make some strides in terms of their offensive production. You know Lovey Smith is going to make sure that defense sets the tone, though, as he now is the new head coach. The Jacksonville Jaguars round out the AFC South, and it continues our trend of change atop the organization. Doug Peterson, someone that the Giants are very familiar with, having been in the division in Philadelphia. He's now the new head man. Mike Caldwell, their new defensive coordinator. Year two for Trevor Lawrence. And what we talked about with other teams, Paul, their philosophy was two. Let's make sure we surround him with talent, specifically at the wide receiver position. They added Christian Kirk, Zay Jones in free agency, Evan Ingram comes over from the Giants, and then Brandon Sheriff, who they added on the offensive line. So it's not a surprise, considering Doug Peterson's offensive background, that that was a focus this offseason. Well, it should also not be a surprise, Lance, that they were one of the most active teams in free agency during this offseason. They didn't wait to the draft to start rebuilding their club. They had so much cap room, they started throwing around double-digit annual salaries to a half a dozen different players, understanding that they had to do something to patch up some mega holes before they got to the draft. And in fact, that's what they did. I, I think, obviously, Trayvon Walker is going to be a big part of what they do because they did draft this defensive lineman out of Georgia with the first overall pick. But make no mistake, they broke out their wallets this year. And they also drafted Devin Lloyd, too, to help beef up their defense. They have the elite pass rusher in Josh Allen, who's made some noise in his first few seasons in the NFL. And they added Darius Williams, the former Rams corner, which I think is going to help on the back end. So that is the AFC South. Now we move to the three remaining opponents. Now, the Giants are going to have two NFC opponents who finish in the identical spot of where the Giants did based on the standings last year. And then they're going to have an additional game with the Baltimore Ravens 
to make it a 17-game slate. So let's start with the two NFC opponents. First, the Carolina Panthers, who they will be hosting. Sam Darnold is still on the roster, but they drafted Matt Corral. And there's going to, I'm sure, be a lot of speculation if those two quarterbacks remain on the roster. Maybe they go after Baker Mayfield. That remains to be seen. But who the quarterback is is going to tell so much for this team because, oh, this is a critical year for Matt Rule. Entering year three, their defense is young, but I think certainly has a lot of weapons. Can the offense meet the defense? And can some of those weapons around the quarterback stay healthy this year? Well, let's start with the question about Sam Darnold. They go and they get Iki Aquanu, the offensive tackle in the first round, to make sure that Darnold at least has a chance to get rid of the ball. <laughs> That's number one. That would help, yes. Number two, they hope that Christian McCaffrey can beat Christian McCaffrey again and give them a full season after dealing with just a host of injuries that have really sidetracked what should have been a sensational career. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point. He's connected just as much to the outlook for the quarterback position. And the other thing that I want to add to your point about Aquanu, they were also aggressive in free agency. They added Bradley Bozeman, the center from the Ravens, Austin Corbett, veteran guard from the Rams, and they have Taylor Moden at right tackle. So it's not just the draft. They're expecting free agency to help in terms of protection. Now, with respect to their defense, J.C. Horn barely played last year. He got hurt very early in the year, who they utilized the top 10 pick on. And one of the underrated free agent signings is actually, Paul, a guy they brought over from the NFC East and Matt Ioannidis from Washington, who I think should help that young nucleus of pass rushers they have up front. Yeah, you know, I think he has shown a lot of flashes as the defensive tackle there with the the Washington now commanders. Uh, and Brandon Smith, the linebacker they took out of Penn State, I get it. He was a third-day pick in round four. But this is a very smart, heady ball player, and it wouldn't shock me if he challenges for playing time with that team. So the Panthers, the Giants will host. Then they will visit the Seattle Seahawks, who do not have Russell Wilson under center as he was shipped off to the Denver Broncos. So very similar to what we just talked about with Carolina. The question for Seattle is, do they go with Geno Smith, who backed up Russell Wilson? And remember, filled in for him when Russell Wilson had the finger injury. They acquired Drew Locke from Denver. Or do they perhaps acquire another quarterback that has yet to be moved? Yeah, there's really no way to tell right now. But I do think the people in Seattle, when they look at Geno Smith and Drew Locke, they're probably not exactly throwing a party. Uh, I'm sure they would prefer to have somebody else as their starter. But in the meantime, this is what they're going to have to go with. And, you know, when you look at what they did in the draft in free agency, Lance, it's not exactly like they added a whole lot to help these two journeyman QBs. Well, because I think they're leaning on DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as their top two weapons. They did add Charles Cross on the offensive line, and Noah Fant came in in the Russell Wilson trade. So I think, Paul, the philosophy was we like what we have and what we acquired, and that's what we're going to lean on, and we're going to hope that the quarterback can stay upright because, to your point, even in the running back room, they have proven talent. The problem is those guys have been banged up over the last few years, like Rashad Penny as well as Chris Carson. Well, they're hoping that Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State can give them a boost there, a second-round pick. But let's not kid ourselves. If Russell Wilson, it was not the face of that franchise, Bobby Wagner certainly was on the other side of the ball, and he winds up now going to the Rams with a new contract. And, look, I don't care how old Bobby Wagner may be and how many plays he's had, you know, under his belt. The fact remains – He was a force that you had to reckon with whenever you played that Seahawks defense. 
Well, and I'm glad you brought that up, Paul, because normally we would say if the Seahawks offense struggled, you'd lean on that defense. Now I don't know if they can lean on the defense because yeah. there's so many movable parts. So it's a bit of a transition in Seattle. Now to wrap things up, that takes us to the Baltimore Ravens, who the Giants will be hosting, and they clearly have a new defensive coordinator. Why? Because the Giants hired Baltimore's <laughs> old defensive coordinator in Wink Martindale. So Mike McDonald comes over. He actually was the Michigan defensive coordinator with John Harbaugh's brother, Jim, for the Wolverines. So Baltimore is a very interesting team, Paul, because to me, it's a team that is banking on a lot of players from last season returning from injury. J.K. Dobbins missed last season due to a torn ACL at the running back position. Then their secondary, my goodness, all of their big names, unfortunately, went down, especially when you take into consideration Marcus Peters, and even Marlon Humphrey got hurt at the tail end. So they're hoping that group returning gives them a strong foundation in addition to what they added in the draft. Well, they also bought themselves a little leeway, Lance. They had 10 draft choices in the first 141 selections during the NFL draft this spring. That is a ridiculous amount. And if you believe any of the draft mix and the composite draft guru picks, you would have to say that the Ravens did absolutely fantastic in nearly every one of those rounds. They had guys falling to them who most people probably thought would go higher. Now, for example, you mentioned their secondary, which was so badly beaten up. Kyle Hamilton is there at 14, the all-everything safety out of Notre Dame, who earlier during the offseason, many people thought he would be one of the top three, maybe top five guys overall in this draft. And they pick him up at number 14. To say that the Ravens really fell in a big pile of you-know-what, I think a lot of people would share that opinion. And Travis Jones, who they also took relatively high in the draft, the defensive lineman, that'll be a nice guy to add into the mix with Calais Campbell and Michael Pierce returning from the Vikings. And then Lamar Jackson, we know he's the dual threat quarterback, but there's been years where he hasn't had great wide receivers and has still been able to perform at a high level. Paul, it's going to be another one of those years because think about it. Hollywood Brown was traded to Arizona. Sammy Watkins left to Green Bay. It's right. Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay. No disrespect to those two players, but we're talking about young guys who have yet to really come into their own. Well, how quickly do you think Isaiah Likely, the tight end out of Coastal Carolina, is going to inject himself into this offense? We know he's got hands and he can definitely catch the football. Fourth round draft choice who may be counted on for some pretty heavy production. So those are all the opponents, 14 to be exact, that the Giants will have to solve in 2022. It's the 2022 Giants schedule release presented by United Airlines, the official airline of your New York Giants. And you can stay tuned because the full schedule will be announced Thursday, May 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. This is the latest edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast, which you can hear on Giants.com, the mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms.